0: As weird as this sounds, you know what one of my favorite desserts is at the end of a you know a good meal, long day, and you just want to relax? A bowl of cereal. I love cereal. Don't get it as much as I used to, you know, especially as a kid, but uh, the biggest reason is there there's really you know, it's not healthy at all. You know, <laughs> the cereal that we like, it's that sugary Carb-loaded, just empty calories is really all it is, uh, but it's just so good so t- sometimes. But that is where Magic Spoon has stepped in and said, you know what? Adults like cereal? Let's make some healthy cereal that actually tastes like cereal, something good, something indulgent. And so they have come up with a zero-sugar, high-protein, low-carb, very tasty cereal. It's keto friendly, it's gluten free, it's grain free, soy free, GMO free, and it comes in four different flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Uh, that covers pretty much all the bases of everything that uh, that I would indulge in. And so if you're looking for kind of that 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 craving satisfier of, of having a great bowl of cereal, something I actually just had, um, but without the guilt attached to it, Magic Spoon is your answer. If you'd like to try some, go to magicspoon.com slash ASP for Adventure Sports Podcast and grab yourself a variety pack today. And if you don't absolutely love it, they have a 100% money back guarantee. And again, you know, New Year's is coming up. We're all trying to be a new a new self. Maybe it's a bowl of cereal to start your day that can help you do that. Magicspoon.com slash ASP. ASP and you can use the code ASP for free shipping all right now on to the adventure
1: it's hard to imagine our life not living like this because it's brought us so much joy and so close as a family that it would be very I think challenging for us to go back to a stationary life and that was one of our fears when we were in Asia and COVID hit was like okay what do we do now
0: I'm really excited for today's episode. I, I, I'm confident that it's going to plant some seeds in somebody's life, in somebody's head, uh, in their heart. This this episode is going to start a conversation. Um, somebody's going to be starting a conversation with with a spouse, or with a friend, or with a partner, or with the, or with their kids after listening to this. So. The reason I say that is because that's exactly what happened to Jessica and Will. They uh, were living a pretty normal life in Boston, as they'll tell you. And as you can see on their website, worldtowning.com. And basically, they wanted to experience the world, but didn't know how, but started making plans and started telling their kids and really just started talking about it, started learning about it. How do we make our life more remote and how do we figure out how to live and work in different parts of the world and experience those parts of the world and have a family at the same time, something that I think a lot of us think about but feels too overwhelming to try to tackle ourselves. As you'll hear, it took them over a decade to kind of figure this out, so it doesn't have to be done tomorrow, but you can start planning for things now. You're know, you not going to save up retirement, for instance, this year. Necessarily, but you start planning now so that when the time comes, you're ready for it. Uh, That's just an example. And you can do the same thing with adventures I've learned, especially with a busy life. That's kind of the only way, or one of the only ways you can make them possible. Anyway, uh, back to uh, the story. So Jessica and Will decided to leave their lives, figure it out, and uh, they're going to get into more detail about that. But just some of the stuff that happened the first year. They decide to dip their toes by living in Costa Rica for a year, um, then in Ecuador for another year, uh, and then in France for nine months. Uh, and And did some incredible things while they were there. They did tons of hiking, exploring, went to other areas near those countries, and started realizing that they didn't have to have a hometown, you know, really in a, anywhere in particular. But the whole world could be their town, and they could have hometowns all over the place and so uh, that's what led them to continue the lifestyle by jumping in an rv for a little while and explored literally every country in europe and then settled down a little bit more in france and wanted to go to asia covid then hit and now they are taking their talents to the seas to live in a sailboat full-time, which is gonna be awesome. They don't really know how to sail. So they're, by this point, this was co- recorded a few months ago. This By this point, they've probably taken a few sailing classes. So we're gonna to have to check back in with them and see how it's doing. But anyway, they're just filled with wisdom, filled with experience, uh, totally excited. They keep it real. So you, you you know, it's not glamorous Instagram van life stuff. It's, you know, it's the good and the bad. And like all of our lives, there's, there's a beautiful mixture of both. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you're inspired and I hope you reach out to them um, because uh, they run a business, they, they teach other people how to do this and I'm sure they'd love to uh, love to share their wisdom with you. All right, here is the episode. Yeah, first of all, Will and Jessica, thank you for uh, joining us at the Adventure Sports Podcast. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, we're super happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Awesome. You know, we, we, I know you're not coming from, from close by necessarily, but your your audio is fantastic. Usually there's 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 a delay of some sort, but there's nothing. It sounds like you guys are just right here. Where, where in the world are you coming from right now?
2: We are in southern France. We're basically n- near Montpellier, France and uh we are now on board our brand new well not our brand new our brand new to us um boat <laughs> where uh we, we've only been on board for like two months and we're struggling to, to sort of learn the boat life but we're getting there
0: how has the adjustment been has it been um you know versus uh-huh. what you thought going into it was it more daunting or less daunting or right, right about where you thought it would be
1: oh okay so we're We're two months in and we start sailing lessons in three days. So we've only left the dock to take the boat around to the front of the marina to take it to a marina shop for some repairs. Um, I think we were pretty realistic about the amount of work um, and learning curve that would go into this. Uh, This is not our first time jumping into something we know absolutely nothing about. But honestly, no matter how prepared you truly think you are for any new adventure, I still still think it's still overwhelming at times. Uh, we're Mm -hmm. like, I said, we're only two months in and everything that's happening is stuff that we knew about and heard about and were prepared for, but until you're actually in it and it's, you know, okay, now we really got to do this. Um, it's a totally different ballgame. I think we're doing well. I think that the fact that we've had years of experiences of doing different things and, and learning how to homeschool, learning how to live in an RV and all this kind of stuff has prepared us for this. But I would say we're probably deep in the trenches right now. Wouldn't you say, Will?
0: <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot more elbow room compared to when we lived in the RV. True, so, so true. That, really? uh, there's, there's more. Well, I yeah. guess it is a pretty, what, you said thirty 38 feet?
2: It's a 38 foot broad blue. Oh, it's a broad blue 38 catamaran. So um,
1: it feels like a palace to us. People are sending us messages saying, oh, my gosh, how is a family of four ever going to live on such a little puny um, catamaran? You know, all these other people out there with with a family of four have these 50, 60 plus foot cats. You're not going to be able to do it. And we're like, wow. But for the first time in what, three or four years, we each have our own room. We have our own cabin. We have two bathrooms. Like this, this is, this is, this is a luxury for us. We're (laughs) loving it.
0: It's all about perspective, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It sure is.
0: Well, that is too cool. So, so, you know, for, for listeners, they've heard a little bit about your story in the intro, uh, but for y'all, you know, sailing is new. But but this lifestyle of of doing something you you um, didn't know much about and had to kind of jump into it that's not new for you. C- could you take us back to, you know, what happened? What were your lives? What were you doing that that led to this drastic change in your lifestyle? I think there's just a lot of people out there that are either have always wanted to do that, or COVID and quarantine has kind of spurred on some sort of desire to change drastically their life and the trajectory. So, so what was it for, for y'all?
1: So I'm going to let, we'll take this one, but I just want to preface it by saying we really did like our life in the United States. We did not leave, we just started our seventh year, um, of living this lifestyle and we didn't, Um, dislike our life. We just wanted more and we wanted to travel. And we are not one of those stories where we decided to do it, sold all of our stuff. And six months later, we were on the road traveling. It took us a long time and we had a lot to process and a lot of fears to fight through to kind of get to this point. I just wanted to kind of put that out there. So people kind of have an idea of how it began for us. And we were not kind of this overnight um, I guess I don't know if success is the right word, but success travel story. You know, it, it took a lot of time and processes to get where we are, but I guess it worked out because we're still here. So I'll let Will tell the backstory well, since well, he's so good at that and I'm well, terrible yeah. at it. So
2: so essentially, I mean, our launch date was in October of 2014. So we're basically like on the six year mark now, which is fantastic because if you were to ask us today, whether or back then, if we would have lasted six years, we've been like, gosh, I hope so. But we
1: wanted to. That was the plan. But, you know, you just never know. Right. Do you right. plan right? Can you make money? Is everyone going to like it?
2: But if you were to ask us also on that same day, looking back. You know, five years ago, would we would we've actually gone to this position in the way that we actually did it? And the answer is is no way, no way. Because <laughs> so like so to, to sort of get the backstory, like back in two thousand and ten, essentially around there, uh, we were living in California, and we were we were no, before that It oh, was before, before Largo was born. I was, was pregnant, so it was like two thousand six, yeah, 2006, We were living in California, and we were we were given. A glimpse of what life could be like if we were traveling more, meaning that I was working for a large public public accounting firm and there was a great opportunity for for us to go ahead and become uh, expats in a different country. They were going to send us to Spain. And, of Uh,
1: course, we were like, what? They're going to pay for housing. They're going to pay for – we had one child at the time. They're going to pay for her school. We're going to have X amount of flights back to the U.S. every year. There's all these benefits. This is the safe way to go. Why not? Who wouldn't do this, right? Just, just, right.
0: was it like a time frame is just like a, it, it was basically a best case scenario to try living somewhere else, you know, with with kind of the, the the risk off you.
2: Right. I mean the risk was zero. Um the the career growth would have been great, you know, like we were still doing this on 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 the, on the pretense that we were not abandoning our, our sort of corporate lives. We're just going to do it in a different location. So in a couple it,
1: years and then come back.
2: Right. There was none of, there was none of this like I'm going to sort, of, sort of give up on, on on the way we live now and sort of, sort of sort of totally reinvent. What we did was was say, um, I'm looking for a vacation and, <laughs> <laughs> and let the company pay for it. All things. It wasn't
1: really a vacation. We were going to be working. But
2: right. But long story short, it didn't happen and then it didn't happen again and it didn't, and happen. It didn't
1: happen again right
2: yes. and and we and we had at this point like the bug in us so badly that we were we were so ready to go and we were saying where do you want to send us i don't care we'll go anywhere <laughs> and and eventually we got to a point where we were tired of waiting, and we, you know, I changed locations for for work within the U.S. I changed companies, and the new company I worked for also had these wonderful opportunities that were they were dangling in front of me, and and I, here I am trying to go ahead and prove that this is a good move because when you're when you try to become an expat, you 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 know for a company. The costs involved for the organization are depending on on who they're sending and if they have a family or not. In our case, since we were a family of four, at
1: that point we had added another child, so right. two
2: schools. You know, so they they are they're on the hook for schooling. They're on the hook for the apartment, so forth and so on. And the bigger your family, the bigger the price tag. And every single time an opportunity came up, they they found a different person who might have been a better fit Someone than us. With no kids, right? <laughs> exactly. So. You know, we almost said that we're we're just we've had enough.
1: Yeah. And And we just kind of went about life in Boston and then we just could not we could not put that desire to live in another country with our kids to bed. Long story short, we decided we came up with a compromise that we would spend a summer in Paris. I had already been working from home, so I would go with the kids and take my business and work from home with the kids for a summer in Paris, and Will would come to visit for two, three, four-week vacation. Um, he said, wait a minute, I want to go too. So we talked to the company, and they let him work from his office, the, the company's office in Paris. And basically, long story short, after that summer in Paris, which was, I don't know, Five billion things went wrong. Our daughter was hospitalized. Our toilet never worked. We lived in a small, nasty, buggy, hot apartment because that's what was with our budget. And we came back to the United States and said, if they're not going to send us on a corporate expect package, we're going to do this on our own.
0: So all those things you fell in love with in a way.
1: You know why? Because we realized that we had we had a comfortable living and a comfortable house and, you know, all the bedrooms, the bathrooms and the basement and all that stuff. We realized we didn't need all that and that the kids really thrived and we thrived as a couple. And as a family unit, we just grew and just felt so enriched and alive that we wanted more of that. So we came back and we said, we're going to sell everything and we're going to figure out how to do this on our own. Um, And so we learned about medical insurance. How do we get this while we travel? How do we homeschool? We had no idea how to do that. And just everything that goes along with moving to another country and we did it we moved to another country we set ourselves for 12 months and 13 months later we moved to costa rica and that is october 6 2014 where the whole journey started
0: october 6 2014 i, I got married the next day and that that's been a <laughs> oh of no a way too so um, no it's just funny it was a it was a spur of the moment kind of thing we, i think we decided the day before and said hey let's go get let's go uh, elope but anyway that's too cool so so okay october 6 2014 you go to costa rica why costa rica um what wh- was it just you know affordability or just somewhere exotic you know what wh- what led to that because you went from paris a place that you you know it sounded crazy but it sounded like it was it, w- it was pretty life-changing in, in a place you wanted to be what led you to costa rica
2: the initial choice was something different. Um we really wanted to go to Honduras. No, Guatemala. Guatemala. And we we were bouncing both of them around. Yeah,
1: Guatemala and Honduras. But I think we landed on Guatemala and then at the last minute we switched because well, we got scared.
2: Someone, someone told us, you know, got to watch out because that whole area is like murder capital c- Central America. Yeah. And we're like unknowing of anything that's happening believing mm-hmm. everyone that we were talking to we were like oh we can't go there let's go to safe costa rica and yeah. um so that's I mean, where we, we landed there
1: but we wanted spanish speaking we wanted affordable cost of living although we had vacationed a lot you know we hadn't lived long periods of time any place. So we wanted something that wasn't too foreign um and didn't take because we wanted to stack the cards in our favor for this to succeed because even though We told everyone we were going for a year in our heads. We wanted to make this a complete lifestyle change. And in order to do that, we needed to make sure we were set up for success. Um, And now, obviously, looking back on it in hindsight, wow, we did everything we possibly could have done, um, except really factor in emotionally how it was going to impact all of us and impact us as a family. And that was that was a hard transition for all of us. We we had a really tough transition to living in Costa Rica and it was nothing Costa Rica. It was just completely changing our life from, Everyone working from home, homeschooling, um, a language, only Will spoke the language at the time. It was just so completely foreign to us. Now, Costa Rica almost it feels like being in the United States. But back then, it was very, very foreign for us. And um, we survived.
2: And we survived. And we, sub- we subsequently also visited Honduras and Guatemala. And we realized <coughs> that there's nothing to be afraid of in right. the slightest
1: Right. So, but we were so newbies, you know, we didn't know we, at that point we just didn't know. And we were scared. And I think that's how, that's how everyone starts out. I think that's totally normal. There's nothing wrong with that. You, you have to, your comfort level and things kind of increases and your level of risk and your level of kind of learning about what is dangerous and what not increases the the longer you do this. So, um, we enjoyed our time in Costa Rica. Everyone learned Spanish. Um, I'm still kind of Spanglishy, but everyone else does well.
2: And, It, it was actually really fun because we called we like we, we almost like label each location while we we're doing these like nine to twelve month stints in different countries. We gave each one a label, and Costa Rica was our, our year of, of adventure. We call it because of the rainforest and because of you know all of the adventure sports that you can do there. You know we we ziplining,
1: whitewater rafting, and, 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 and I don't remember what it's called, but where you climb up when you climb up the waterfall. I mean, we just, we just, yeah, we served, we did all kinds of crazy things there. And it was really, I think it's what helped balance us out through the adjustment because like I said, it was a really tough adjustment. But the interesting thing is during the whole adjustment, there were tears and Will and I were just like, how are we ever going to survive this? But not once did I say to him or did he say to me, we made a mistake. Not once, which I find is so interesting because looking at it now, obviously we've had other transitions since then and, and boat life is the biggest transition of ever so far, and we're barely into it. Um, But I'm surprised that that transition just didn't, you know, stop us right in our tracks and have us running home because it was really incredibly tough. But I guess, I guess we just wanted it so bad. And we we both knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel, we just had to work through, you know, the transitions, which it is when you're changing your lifestyle.
0: Not telling yourself you made a mistake. That's huge. Were there anything else that y'all did as a couple or as a family to, to ensure that it didn't become a negative experience in the long run? Well,
1: one of the things was we never let the kids see us struggling. Will's shaking his head right there, right beside me cuz I guess he was going to say the same thing. The children will often take on the attitude of the parent and we have seen this over and over and over again. If the parents like, well I hate Spain or the Spanish are like this. Blah, blah, that attitude transitions to the children. I'm not saying I believe that I'm just giving that as an example. If someone says about, oh, the Danish or this, and it trickles down to the kids, the kids get this bad impression and it starts to ruin the whole energy within the family. So even when Will and I were really struggling, our kids were young when we, when we started out, they were almost seven and 10. Now it's a little different. We're very honest about the struggles because as teenagers, we want them to see us struggle through things and work as a team and overcome it because it'll help them in adulthood. But when they were young, we sheltered them from that. So we just got up and we put a smile on our face. And no matter how awful things had happened, or if the car we just bought broke down on the way home and we had bought a lemon and what are we going to do now? We just found the joy and the happiness in it and the positive part and kind of kept that pulling us through. And I think that really, really helped as well as Will and I are, I think are really great support system for each other. If one of us is having a better, bad day, the other one is, is there to build them up or to say, suck it up one or the other, you know what I'm saying? So we're really kind of, we're there as an emotional support for each other. And we have to be, we, we are all each other has out here. We, we, we have a village when, when it comes to, um, virtual village and we have family, but we don't have that village in our backyard. So we have to survive and we have to make this work together and we have to be there for each other. And I think that was a huge part of our success. Plus Will and I don't like to fail. And you know, as you start out on a new adventure, there's plenty of people saying, Oh, you're going to fail. You're ruining your life. You're screwing up your career. Your kids are going to be freaks. So of course, Will and I are like, no one's going to see us sweat. We're just going to make this happen.
2: It's interesting. It's interesting (laughs) because we basically, um, Every single time that we feel like we need to vent, and we try and do that sort of away from the kids, yeah, as let's much go as for possible, a walk. We say, "Let's go take out the trash," <laughs> and, and, and some, literally and figuratively. And <laughs> sometimes that. Try- Sometimes that trash can is a little bit further one day versus another day for some reason I don't know why, but but we get through it and we sort of we talk things out.
1: Sometimes we take the trash out ten times a day. Sure, we do. Sometimes right. it's weeks. Sometimes we forget <laughs> to so grab true. the
0: actual trash. <laughs>
1: right, right, and you come back and the kids are like, "But you forgot the trash!" They're like, "Oh yeah, you're right." Like, no, we didn't. that's
0: incredible so so you you know a lot this kind of lifestyle this kind of um adventure it it does scare a lot of people because they think of worst case scenario i i I would throw myself into the boat like oh what could happen what could go wrong can you tell us from your experience what what has been your worst case scenario situation that actually happened and how were you able to get through it was it as bad as you thought it would be or 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 did you just kind of manage like we always do
1: How long is this podcast? (laughs) Where do you want to start? You want to start with the robbery?
2: Oh my god! Yeah, there's a lot. Well, this is already like well into it. So we were were equipped.
1: Uh, We were several years into it. Um, Our RV got broken into when we were traveling around Europe in an RV for three years.
2: So let's let's, let's pause for a moment and just fast forward because one of the things that we've done is that we went ahead and we hopped into an RV um, for two and a half years and we visited every single country in Europe. Uh, that we could buy land. Uh, so, so all so one of the one of the countries that we popped into uh was early Belgium. On was was Belgium. And we thought, okay, the home of the European Union.
1: Let's make some waffles. Right.
2: The home of waffles and really good beer. Um what what bagging happen here?
1: We well we don't we never even thought about stuff like that. We got out of the RV, at least not in Belgium, right? It's like sleepy, sleepy town there. Um, and so it's very rare that we would leave the RV without all of our editing equipment and computers, because even if we went out for an adventure, we'd often pop into a coffee shop. Maybe we'd work or the kids would have a class or whatnot. This day, we only were in the city just to take the waffle class. So we just brought one little camera with us and we left everything in the car and we came back and we were broken into and they stole how much about, I kind of I mentally blocked about
2: it out. 10,000 euros worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was awful. Um, We cried. We were just like, how can someone do this? We went around to all the people on the street asking, hey, do you know, could you help us? Did you see anything? Um, And we came up short. We had insurance. We're big believers. If you're traveling with a lot of equipment that's your work or your school, um, get insurance because that was the best thing ever to have the insurance. We had about two weeks uh, before we could get, replace everything. And we were working a family of four with kids in school and us having a business. They would work during the day and we would work at night on those four computers. Everything was backed up. Almost everything. We lost just a little bit of footage. Um, that was a pretty traumatic experience. We survived. Uh, we learned, I guess, a thing or two. Um, that was pretty bad. What else? We had a fire in the RV. Um, <laughs> In the middle of the night, it was filled with smoke. Our smoke detectors didn't go off, but we had a hamster, and we're convinced the hamster woke us up. Um, And there was very little damage done to the RV, but it was incredibly alarming to wake up from a dead sleep with a smoke-filled RV. It's just really, really scary. Um let's see what else has happened. We've been we were verbally on. abused in Nor- Norway by a guy on the road that kind of stressed
2: us here. Right.
1: Well, he asked. I mean, and I, and I don't the thing is I don't want to scare everyone that's out there. I mean, we're still here. We're still alive. No one's ever pulled a gun on us and I think that in contrast to that, all the good things that have happened to us, I could talk for days about all the great things and the kind people and the people that have come to our rescue in, in situations. But I think it's important to be honest. Do you, do you have anything else? I mean, I'm sure there's more.
2: There was, there was like early on, we were in Peru and we were in, uh, oh, we were doing, pretty bad um, too. we were on the Inca trail. So it was like four days going hiking know, to Machu Picchu, hiking to Machu Picchu, you know, you, you traverse. This this area called Dead, Dead Woman's Pass, which sort of takes you up to like 14,200 meters or to 14,200 feet, not meters. Uh, that'd be high. So while we were doing it, it was rainy. It was nasty. And our daughter, who was 10, 11 years old at the time. I think 11. 11. Got um, a fever. Right. And this was beyond the point of essentially like no return where they couldn't Right. right have, once you
1: hit a certain point, you have to proceed forward. You can't go back. And we were beyond that point.
2: Right. And, and our daughter had like 103 fever and we could not find a way to bring it down.
1: We brought it down the first day, but the second day we could not bring it down. Um, and so on, and the second, the second day that she had the fever was actually our final day, um, on the hike. So a Porter, um, carried her out. He ran ahead with her on his back and will ran with them cause we didn't want to just send our kid off with someone we didn't know sick. You know, that's a lot of responsibility to put on someone right, else. Right. Um, And he you know, these guys are used to this. They have the lung capacity. They're very fit. Of course, Will is Will is quite fit guy, but (laughs) he was struggling to keep up with him by the time we all caught up with him.
2: I'm carrying like a 40 pound back.
1: Will looks so frail and was sweating. And I'm like, gosh, Will, you poor thing. And, And he wasn't even carrying Avalon, our daughter. So that was that was scary. I mean, we knew. We knew it wasn't going to get out of control, but it's just scary when you have a child that's ill when you're traveling. I mean, we've since had a lot of illnesses on the road, had medical care in, in numerous countries, um, and we're much more equipped for dealing with things like that. But that was quite scary because you're in the middle of nowhere and you have no no resources. Um, what else has happened? I think that's probably enough, right? I think that's good.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I appreciate you bringing up those examples and those points because, you know, the worst case scenario, the worst things that have happened to you, all those things that happened are are absolutely things that could happen each and every day in a, in a quote, normal right? life. I mean, I've had things stolen out of my truck right in my driveway. I've had things, you know, we, we, we've seen homes burn, you know, everyone's seen some, some, a house on fire, a car on fire, like that happens. And even getting, you know, fever or something out on a trail or hiking in your backyard, it's stuff like that can happen. So. The fact that through all the experiences and all the traveling and all these, you know, huge leaps of faith you've taken, those are the worst things that can happen. Those are things that you can, in a lot of ways, happen just as often in normal life. So it, that, that that's actually absolutely. really encouraging that that's been the worst of it, you know, absolutely. versus and what people's what- imaginations, I'm sure, would would tell you when you first started.
1: Right. We've never had anyone pull a gun on us. Uh, we've never been kidnapped. Gosh, knock on wood. Um, but anything like that. And and people when we've been in these really traumatic experiences, people have come to our rescue when when the van you know, was smoky in the campsite, uh, when we were broken into, when our even daughter in was in
2: Peru. Yeah,
1: even in Peru, we, like
2: when we, we got back to the hostel uh, after we were done on Christmas day, because this was over the holidays on Christmas day,
1: two more members in the family got sick. So we right. had three members of the family sick at this point.
2: And, and the front desk of the hostel called us a doctor and, and he, he, showed up, um, sort of made a house call essentially. And you know, he was wonderful. He was not annoyed because it was Christmas yeah. and, and you know, the cost was very affordable. And so it wasn't necessarily like, you know, going, I'm going to stick it to you. It's like, how can I help you? And what, you know, what can we do to make this better? you know, it just, it just worked out. And, and that was, I think that was almost at that point, the defining moment for us to realize that there's nothing that can't really go that, that wrong.
1: Yeah. I think medical is something that even with our clients as well, they are various people are very, very scared about medical and, um, medical care. And I just, you know, I don't want to harp on it too much because it's, uh, it's really, unless you have obviously a pre existing condition that needs constant care and, and is, is a bit volatile and, excuse me, all that kind of stuff, that's a different situation. But if you're healthy, you can get medical care equivalent to the U.S., in many cases better and definitely less expensive across the globe. I mean, at least any place that we've ever been and we've had an issue. Um, obviously we educate ourselves where we're going and if there's, if we need a certain vaccine to protect ourselves or, you know, what kind of vitamins we should be taking and whatnot. But overall, we've had amazing experiences with medical care and, you know, now that we're on our seventh year of this, we've had a lot of medical stuff done, um, in different countries that we've had to have done along the way. And, and it's really worked out for us.
0: All righty. Let's take a quick message break and hear from one of our sponsors. With the new year right around the corner, it's time to start planning some new adventures. And one of the most important things you need to do is make sure you're staying hydrated. And that is where Hydrant comes in. It's a refreshing drink mix powder made with four key electrolytes, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. It's made with real fruit juice powder, no artificial sweeteners, none of that, garbage, no nonsense, it's all science. And actually, for an extra boost, try new Hydrant Immunity, which contains vitamins A, B12, B6, C, and D, along with ginger and turmeric. Water meets wellness in a vitamin-packed drink mix that you can drink cold or hot for these chillier months. If you'd like to try Hydrant today and make sure you have it ready for your next adventure, you can get 25% off by going to drinkhydrant.com slash A-S-P. And using ASP at checkout. That's drink, H Y D R A N T dot com slash ASP and enter promo code ASP for 25% off your first order. Hydrant, where water meets wellness. Ah. All right, now back to the show. That's so great to hear because, it, you know, it, it, it's like all these issues, even with all your stuff stolen, it's like insurance. Insurance was in place you were out without it for for two weeks but that's just still so much better than it could have been and if that's as bad as it it gets you know that's terrible and traumatic like you said but i hear it all the time right here right here in your own town right here in your own backyard that exact same thing can happen why not why not put yourself in an incredible experience learning so many things if life is still going to happen anyway? Can can you tell us maybe the first time or if there was a day or a moment um, early on that, that made you both think or individually think, we made the right decision to do this?
1: There's There's moments and days like that all the time. And for me, mm. the most profound moments and days are... The impact it has on our children um, and our family, how we've been able to the goal when we set out to do this was to educate them out in the world, about the world, spend more time as a family, um, let them grow up to be their authentic self without a lot of pressure of outside sources and media and all that kind of stuff, as well as to live more minimalist and focus on making memories. So that's been one of the most amazing aspects, as well as the people the people we meet along the way are so good and so kind to us. And it, it, I, I, I get, I mean, I, I don't even know how to put it into words, but meeting people from other countries and other cultures who are warm and kind and open their homes and their hearts and their stories and their culture and share it with us is heartwarming. It's just fabulous. But
2: if we were to put an actual moment to it, you got in, a moment in my mind. See,
1: I'm the idealist and wills the, the realist. If you haven't noticed yeah, already, he's like, if- I need a date. <laughs> we're going to get the date out here. Jessica answer the guy's question. Okay, go ahead. Will. If, I were to
2: put, <laughs> if I were to put a moment to it, it's actually pretty simple for me. It actually happened only a week into when we left. And this is when we fir- we first landed in, in Costa Rica. And we were, we were basically, um, we're outside of San Jose. So, you know, we were not exactly hanging out by the coast. And the reason why we chose that area was because uh, our son went to a French immersion school. And the only French school that there was in Costa Rica was in the capital. And, and the capital is not exactly the most glamorous area. It's not where sort of, you know, all the expats live or where, where you But it's culturally rich. But it's culturally super yeah. rich. So
1: oh, I know on what, that first weekend. I know weekend, what you're going to say. This is a great one. You're so
2: smart. So on the first weekend we were there. <laughs> thank you.
1: Um, uh, <laughs>
2: We went to a a market, like a normal Saturday market. When we say a market, it's like outside food vendors and veggies. And, and, you know, you walk around and and it's like a farmer's market, but it's a normally occurring farmer's market that occurs all the time. And this is how, you know, everyone seems to get their food because supermarkets are for the packaged goods that you cannot get locally grown. And so we went there and, you know, you, you can spend $15 and walk away with like a a massive sack full of fruits and veggies, but, but nevertheless, bargains aside, um that day there was a group of, of kids dancing. dancing. I mean, it was like a formal group. They had like outfits and so forth and so on.
1: They were doing traditional Costa Rican dance and they were doing a performance in we're, the
2: square. And, and our daughter said to us, you know, boy, that sounds like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I would love to do it. And at that moment, Sort of when we were, we watched the entire performance and then we ended and we walked over to to the person who was organizing it. Now, um, mind you, at
1: this time, Will was the only one who spoke Spanish, and our daughter just knew how to say like "Hola, cómo estás." You know, right. that's about it.
2: And, and we and we started talking to her and said, "Well, you know, would would this be something that you know our daughter can participate? We're going to be in Costa Rica for almost a year, so it's not like we're going to walk in for a weekend and sort of like walk away." Um, we said she doesn't speak the language. And 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 the the instructor pretty much said it doesn't matter if she doesn't speak Spanish as long as she speaks dance. Dance is a universal language, baby. (laughs) And and meanwhile, our daughter never took a dance lesson in her life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think she was in ballet once when she was little and she was the girl over in the corner playing with the door handle. Like just no interest in ballet at all.
2: But this group took us in and and and, Yeah, they became family. We became like those Americans. (laughs) <laughs> and it wasn't
1: just like a once a week dance class. It was practices a couple times a week. And then there were, I don't know what you would call it, big performance things on the weekend where we all got in a bus together and drove a couple hours. And it was like a whole day of dance festivities. Um, and these people were just so kind, and we wanted will will was will was so funny because he was really the translator between all the women. you know, so it was like I would say something will would translate to another lady, and then we'd be all be trans, translated back, you know, because I couldn't speak the language at the time. And it really was, you're right. Well, that was a defining moment because we realized that people are good. People are welcoming. People want to share their story. They want to learn your story, and they just they just want connection. And people are like that all over the world, whether you can communicate with them or not. And now we have Google Translate, so if we can't communicate, we break that baby
0: out. You know the 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 experiences, the things that pop up that you never can plan for. You know what I mean? You're basically building this framework, and f- for this canvas, and and you don't know what's going to be put on it, but you put that frame in place. You put that 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 structure in place for all these incredible experiences to happen um wh- what would you say is the biggest misconception with your lifestyle um that you that you hear a lot from folks when they ask questions or the feedback you get maybe from even your own families um what do you, what would you say the biggest misconception is
2: I think, I think the biggest misconception or the, the, the biggest phrase that we get, and so we can lead to the misconception the, the biggest phrase we get is must be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the, with the thought that we're just on this, you know, perpetual vacation and we're out and just, you know, seeing the sights and never having a concern in the world. And, you and know,
1: that money is of no concern of right. ours. And, and I think that kind of, that kind of leads into what I was going to say that the misconception is that. You need to be incredibly wealthy to live like this. And of course, we meet people that are traveling like this, that are wealthy, have, you know, extensive trust funds or, you know, they sold an app and made 100 million or whatever. But that is so, so incredibly rare. Almost everyone we know that are friends of ours, that are travelers or people we've met along the way work really incredibly hard to maintain this lifestyle. They make sacrifices. Um, They all sleep in one room for years. They, they pick up work where they can or they just live incredibly frugal. Um, they cut corners where they can to live like this. And I think that that's a really important takeaway and a misconception. I'm glad you asked this question because people look at it and like Will said, they say it must be nice as if... Will and I have done something miraculous that no one else can do. And, and it's just not true. You know, Will and I are just regular people like everyone else. I mean, if you ask our moms, they're going to say we're special. But outside of that, we're just like, you know, we're just like everyone else. We don't have a ton of money. We we do work our butts off. We work really, really hard to maintain and to be able to keep this lifestyle. But we didn't do anything miraculous. We just we just fought through the fears and decided to take the plunge. So I think definitely finances are a misconception. We, and we
2: basically don't quit.
1: We don't it? quit. We don't. I think another misconception, too, is that um, that a fit, like it, it, people seem to think like, oh, I couldn't spend all that time with my kids and I couldn't homeschool them and stuff. You know, at the end of the day, it's all, it's, it's all just a matter of doing the research and figuring it out. And then rolling with it, um, you know, we'll, we'll love to say if someone else can figure it out and do it and learn it, then we can do it too. And that's kind of our philosophy, you know, through this whole lifestyle is that there was a time we didn't know how to travel, we didn't know how to get Wi Fi in a country, we didn't know how to homeschool, and we didn't know how to fill out medical forms in foreign languages. And we learned all of that. So there is this misconception that people think it's it's not possible for them, and how could they do it? And we must be so different, and we're really not. We're we're, we're no diff. We meet people like us all the time traveling. We're all the same at the end of the day. We're all kind of connected with this this deep um passion to kind of live authentically and live through travel, and it connects us all. Um, but we're no different than anyone else at home that's having some some adventure in a stationary life. Any other misconceptions, Will?
2: And and the misconception that that we're always happy. That's,
1: we're always oh, that's a great one—a misconception <laughs> that we're always happy, and that this is my favorite—that our kids never fight, and that Will and I never fight. Right. Like I said, we have our laundry stinks, and and you know, our, we 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 fight, and we have bills to pay, and some months we run out of money, and we're just like everyone else. Like it's just not, you know, it's it, sometimes people think they think on social media, and they think, well, you know, my. Th- their kids must be different, or they must be a different couple. Um, I think the only thing different is Will and I have really learned to laugh through a lot of it. You know, just be like, I can't believe this is happening. Let's just laugh it off. You know,
0: <laughs> I-, I can totally see those. We had it. A- we have an author. We had an author on the show a few years ago, Rolf Potts. He wrote one of my favorite books called Oh Yeah, Yeah. And uh, I- really, the whole premise of the show, or the whole premise of the book, is is built on that must be nice mentality. And he's like, no, I scrubbed yeah. toilets for nine months to be able to afford this. Um, sorry. Right. Little one.
1: No, no. We love hearing baby sounds. That's totally fine with us. Yeah, it's true. Right. You, you, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the things we've done, but th- we've made some sacrifices that our really close friends have gone. I would never do that. You guys are insane. Mm. I mean, even down to just um, in July, we, we were, we, we were in Japan and we ended up staying there longer than planned because of COVID. And Japan's an expensive country, so to, in order to get scuba certified, we had to make the compromise with our housing. So we went and lived in a surf hostel in one small room, the four of us for a month, and it was it was it was kind of crazy. But with that gave us the ability to be able to afford to get scuba certified. So we make you know we make those sacrifices along the way.
0: Absolutely, it, it isn't an, an infinite budget, an infinite everything time you know an infinite amount of, of time to make choices or abilities even you know you're you're, you're limited in ways and you make it happen and, and what the reality becomes people don't see all the decisions behind it all the conversation behind it all the work behind it um c- could we touch on that briefly i think people would probably be interested to know like like budget-wise what do you do? Do you work remotely? How does that work? How do you at least make money? Maybe not, you know, you the details of your budget, but but what is work? Look, does it does it look like for you? Do you
1: want to give the history?
2: It, it's been it's been <laughs> an you want to ever, start. You want to start with the evolving beginning stories for us. Um, so when, when we left, we, we basically left with with myself leaving my former company um, or the company I work for. And, and not having an income on my end. And Jessica had her clients that she worked on as a graphic designer. So, uh, you know, we knew that we were going to a, quote unquote, low cost location. So, you know, we were concerned about money, but we knew that, you know, that we would find a way. Um, yeah. You know, having just left a career where your, your skills are fresh, um, I was able to eventually find remote work um, as an accountant. and And that worked out okay and then eventually my old company called me back and said that you know we don't mind if you live where you live just you know provide us with your time and we can do the whole thing virtually um and and that was our nice comfortable income for the first three years that was our nice comfortable income for the first three years and then
1: we had a crazy idea
2: and then (laughs) we we thought it'd be a good idea to to help people do what we do um yeah and, and
1: so we started our own business and we started a coaching business where we coach people on all the logistics to become full-time travelers. If it, It's if you want to go for a, a year or you want to go forever, just to work through all the logistics, you know, the housing, the medical, the tech, the visas, all that stuff, because that 12 months or actually 13 months we spent planning, we almost gave up so many times because it was so hard to live in our day, day life and have a foot in another world. We wanted to be living in and then parties and schooling and commitments and having to plan at night. So we felt that everything we'd learned along the way would be of value to people. So we started our business world towning and developed, it was a coaching business initially. And then I guess it was about a year into it, maybe a year and a half. We opened um, a segment of our trip because people were saying of our company, people were saying they wanted to travel with us and travel the way we travel, which is we try to stay away from the super touristy spots and meet with locals. And then, um, you know, hang with them and learn from them, and our our way of travel kind of takes into a deeper, more humanitarian side of travel rather than just checking things off the box. And so we developed group trips at that point, and they were doing really well. And then um, after you know three years having our business, we were actually you know two to three years in the business. You don't see a lot of income at that point. We lived frugal and we had money and savings, so we were okay. Um, and we were starting to see kind of, okay, this is going to be our profit year. We're going to do really well. And then COVID hit and we had to cancel all of our trips. So, um, and that since then we have, we're back to living incredibly frugal and being very careful with our money. We had, um, some money in savings again as well, and we're not giving up on the group trips or the coaching, but you know, we all know right now, no one's doing that. So we're pausing it now. Um, and revamping things so that when people do want to travel again, our door is going to be open with like five to 10 really amazing trips that people can go on. And I'm pretty optimistic that people are going to seize the moment because now they're realizing how fragile it is and it can be taken away. So to answer your question, um, we've had different ways that we've made income along the way. And when that income has been on a pause or dried up, or we've been in transition, we really tighten the belt. Um, we always make sure we have money and savings and we live incredibly frugal to kind of get us through those rough, sp- rough patches. And right now, we're, you know, to be totally transparent, we're in one of those rough patches and um, we're not alone, right? There's plenty of people in our situation who are struggling with their income or their, their work because of COVID.
0: Absolutely. Six years in, do you feel that those challenges, you're better equipped for them or you're more <laughs> fatigued to them?
2: well we're older <laughs> i think i think we're at the point where you know when the challenges do arise we we don't take them lightly but we we sort of still have this we, i think we've had we have enough behind us at this point to realize that nothing lasts forever right and it's easy to go ahead and get sucked up in a moment because a moment feels like a lifetime but we also can stop and and take a pause and reflect upon what we have done and realize that, you know, this is not forever. And, and we can, we can sort of take solace he, in the fact that we've, we've overcome so much more that this is this hopefully and, I mean, yeah. ho- with air quotes, but hopefully it's just a drop in the bucket.
1: And when he says this is not forever, he's not talking about the travel life. He's talking about, you know, the, the, the downtimes, down yeah. like in yep. situations like COVID, Um, and, and people's incomes being affected. Like we don't believe it'll last forever. Um, and Will and I are very used to kind of, we, 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 we don't give up, um, and we are continually reinventing. So we know that if COVID was to last for another decade, which gosh, I really hope it doesn't because I'd hate to see so many people dying, um, and suffering, but if it was, we would have, we would figure out something else. Um, our number one priority is to continue this lifestyle and living like this because we love it and our kids love it and they're thriving in it. So we will always find a way to reinvent to be able to continue to do this.
0: Would the attitude of the kids change that? How have they basically kind of, kind of absorbed this lifestyle and how, how was there, you know, cause, cause six years for a kid is a long time in as far as development and stages and especially, you know, teenagers or approaching teenagers. How have they been able to handle this?
1: So our philosophy has always been that if at any point they consistently are unhappy, then we reevaluate and we come up with a new plan. That's a compromise. And when I say consistently, like Everyone has bad days, right? Like Will might be today like, oh, God, I hate this. Or maybe a kid hates it for one day. But overall, they absolutely love this lifestyle. And if we could see one of them just having like a bad week or something, we'll sit and say, do we need to change gears on anything? Your schooling, our lifestyle, anything like that. And then we kind of talk through things. And it's never – it never comes down to the lifestyle. Um, they really, really like the lifestyle a lot. Um, I think in any situation, there's trade-offs, right? So there's things that that they do miss or think they're missing out on and things that obviously stationary kids in stationary life are missing out on. But if... Either one of them were unhappy, or if Will was unhappy, or if I was unhappy, we would not continue to keep that person in an unhappy situation. We would we would not stop completely. We'd come up with a compromise.
2: Right. So, so to give you an example, when we when we moved, so we when we left to Costa Rica, we were homeschooling our daughter from from moment one. She she was in traditional schooling all the way through until the moment we did leave. So fifth she grade, yeah, through fifth grade, right? Um, was it fourth or fifth? Well, Starting fifth grade. Yeah. And so she started fifth grade with homeschooling. And so she had a taste of what life was like in, in traditional, traditional schools. And when we went to Costa Rica, we started homeschooling with her, but we continued on sending our son to a, to a traditional school so that he can get sort of an equal experience. But in his case, it would be in in a different country. So they both did sort of normal schools, I guess, until
1: end of fourth grade, the end of
2: fourth grade. When we arrived in France our daughter had already done at that point two years of homeschooling, and she she came up to us and said, "I want to go back to a, a regular school, you know." I want to try
1: what middle school is like. I want a locker, and I want to change classrooms. And and, and we said, fine, you know. Yeah.
2: You know. In fact, you know, yeah. we were like, uh, we can use a little time off during the day <laughs> to get work done.
1: I really didn't want her to go. Um, I didn't think it would be a positive thing for her, but I never ever ever told her that never, because I thought that it really needed to be her decision. And I didn't want to say no. And then ever come back two years later and say, well, you said, look, you ruined my life. Um, she will tell you she didn't like it, but she did enjoy the year. She made friends. Um, she learned a lot about the bureaucracy in the school system here. And she came out of it going, OK, I don't ever want to go back to traditional school again. Um, and that was her choice. And since then, she's never wanted to be in a traditional school again. And her brother has never expressed interest because he would have been last year would have been his year if he wanted to try out traditional school after two years of homeschooling. And he's like, no way, I don't want to do it. Um, we give them the thing I think that really makes this work for us is that they we operate like a democracy. And when they were first little and we started, we didn't operate like a dictatorship, but they didn't really get a voice in what we were doing. On very simple things like, what are we going to have for dinner? Or what, what, you know, were we going to go zip lining or we're going to go whitewater rafting? But when it came down to financial decisions and which countries we were going to live in, they did not get a voice. Um, they were too young to understand. However, when we moved to France, they were old enough to understand, and we gave them a voice. And so we let them choose where we would move after Ecuador. We gave them two countries, France and Spain. We let them decide on their own. They picked Spain, they picked France. Will and I wanted Spain, but we still went with France and they never knew what we wanted because we let them make that decision. Then we gave them two cities in France, and thankfully they picked the same city, and we ended up moving to that city. So We've always involved them since they were old enough to understand finances and and stuff like that. We've involved them in the decision making, which I think has made them really enjoy it because as teenagers, right, they want freedom. They want a voice. Um, and there's certain things we can't give that in. So when we can give it, we really embrace it. And it's really made it work for them quite well.
0: Uh, it sounds like a great balance, a lot, uh, an entire lifestyle of balance, more so than you know, a traditional lifestyle, but, but being able to give them that freedom, I mean, how cool is that? Hey, where, where's the family going to live? This is in y'all's hands. That's a really cool thing to be able to do and something you can't, you know, if you're not able to be that mobile and able to make decisions like that. So, so, you know, I know with, uh, teaching and with coaching other families or, or folks that, that want to live this lifestyle. I'm interested to hear how the appetite was for that, if you had a lot of takers or if there was, if you noticed there are a lot of people out there that are wanting to do this. I know that has been, you know, dampened quite a bit with, with COVID. What are you looking forward to? What are your plans that you do have in place and, and the things that you're, you're getting ready to do? uh well let's see here this weekend on
1: sunday (laughs) (laughs) okay i
0: know you're on a boat right now that's gonna be break it down
1: by the hour exactly
2: (laughs) we are we're going off for our first of sort of um i guess call it day skipper courses the rya royal yacht association is a uk outfit um they have uh they have a learn to sail course. Uh, it sounds so like going to summer camp, but no, this is like, like real like navigation and charts and so forth and so on. I
1: hope it's easy. Like summer camp. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be.
2: And we're going to have a, uh, instructor living with us for almost 10 days. And we're going to learn everything we need to learn so that we can be certified. Cause right now, although we do have the boat and we do have insurance, our insurance carrier says you cannot actually go outside of your boat with, without sort of a competent skipper. And right now we are not one. So, yeah, I
1: wouldn't want to go out right now. Yeah, we, we don't know what we're doing.
2: So, so with if you want to ask us within two weeks time, then we can say we're going to sail um, as confident as possible. And our eventual plan is to is to sail around the Med for for this uh, this for winter you, slash yeah. next summer. Um, and as our confidence grows, we're going to sort of continue to be a uh, worldwide sailors for now until sort of we can start doing trips again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the plan. And, and I, in, in there once, once COVID um, is over, like we'll said, we'll, we'll, we'll have trips in there um, you know, several a year and wherever we land with the boat during, you know, our, our, our year when there is, if we're in cyclone season or hurricane season, we'll get off the boat and and go do some other land adventures because our time in Asia was really cut short because of COVID. So we want to explore Asia more. We kind of had this, this, all these other dreams and things that we want to do. We want to bike through the Middle East and we want to explore more of Africa and more of South America. So we have kind of this whole list of things that we want to do. And um, we'll just do it kind of, if we can't do it by way of the boat, then we'll, you know, dock the boat and then take off for a couple of months and go, you know, do that adventure and then kind of come back. But there's no plans in the near future to kind of stop this lifestyle. We've, we really, I, I can't, it's hard to imagine our life not living like this because it's brought us so much joy and so close as a family that it would be very, I think, challenging for us to go back to a stationary life. And that was one of our fears when we were in Asia and COVID hit was like, okay, what do we do now? What do we do? We, we definitely we're going to have to not be traveling because you can't really travel the way we want to travel this time. What are we going to do? Um, and that having those conversations was really hard and incredibly scary. Um, you know, just, just as scary as people are like, wow, now I got to work from home and I got to, I got to, um, remote school, my kid, like everyone's going through these transitions that are really scary and kind of, we're no different than anyone else, you know? So the idea is hopefully to continue to proceed, you know, living like this as, as COVID goes away and, and the world goes back to, you know, the way it was before or a better version of the way it was before, I guess.
0: <laughs> there you go, that's the attitude right there. Better version than what it was before. I, 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 I We've already seen an, an uptick in adventures and stories to talk about because of COVID.
1: I think, don't we realize kind of the fragility of life when things like this happen, and we have to, you know, buying a boat in the middle of COVID was the scariest thing I think Will and I have ever done. Um, I was, I was, I was really, really scared. I'm not so scared now, but because everything is so fragile, and we looked at each other and we said, "But this is what we can't do. We can't stop growing and learning and developing new skills." because something is scary be it covid be it you know we're not 21 anymore whatever the case may be we have to keep kind of moving forward and growing and learning and now 2 months into it i'm so glad we did it like you, you got to keep the adventure alive in your life, whatever that is. Like if you want to start a homestead or if you want to go hike for for six months, whatever the case, or you want to buy a boat, whatever the case may be, you can't, you know, you can't stop kind of having those adventures and learning because that's when kind of life becomes complacent and, and you know, other depression and all that other kind of stuff sets in.
0: Oh, gosh, y'all have spoken to just so many so many incredible lessons and principles. L- last question before we kind of plug everything and, 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 thank you for being on. Um, d- does this feel, you know, what, what was the decision behind choosing a boat versus continuing on land? D- does a boat give you maybe more access to more places more often? What, what was that thought process? Cause you spent a lot of time in an RV. Um, did it just seem more of a, a beneficial thing in the long run to be on, on water?
2: our 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 thought about being on a boat was always in play all along when we when we actually left for Costa Rica for the first location that we went to we always we always had in our mind that that the boat was going to be the end game um when we when covid happened we realized that there was going to have to be a pause some some type of pause that we had to sort of factor into because We could not stay in a particular country you know as long as we wanted to um because of visa issues we're fortunate enough in our case that we actually have um, long-stay visas for france just because of the time that we spent here and we've had you know the ability to renew our french visa um, every every year for the last four years um so when 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 it was time to leave japan after six months when we realized that none of the borders were opening Um, we had to make a decision and the, the, the decision was either to go ahead and find another country to go to that, um, that we can explore and sort of, you know, start again and sort of, you know, get the the juices flowing and sort of just like figure out what the culture was like, or we can actually be more, I guess, strategic on this one, um, because if we were to continue traveling, then we'd, we'd be always looking at the news going, who's open now, who's open now, who's open now? And and quite frankly, you know, with what we we're seeing, we just didn't want to play that, that game of Russian roulette of what, what country we can go to and then play the three-month visa game and then sort of, you know, jump to another place.
1: And as spontaneous as our lifestyle seems, Will and I have always kind of had a... Uh, a game plan of what's going to, what's the next year looks like the next two years, the next three years. So we weren't particularly comfortable doing what Will said, like hanging out in the country going, can we leave? Can we go to the next place? What's Nate next? Cause that's a little, that brings us a bit out of our comfort zone. And and also from, you know, a financial standpoint, that can be very um, detrimental to your budget. So,
2: right. And then it led us to, to the decision of, well, we can do one of two things. We can either go back to France because we have you know the access to return and at that point France was allowing people to enter into France if they're coming from select countries and one of those was Japan so that sort of that gave us an easy in or we could have gone back to the US and we, we with the way things were going on this was already now in June with the way things were happening with covid in the US we realized that if we went back to the US there was little opportunity to leave if we, if we got the, the urge to, uh, just because of the way that sort of, you know, immigration policies have been, have been sort of migrating to the fact that they were closing borders to, to the U S you know, because of the current state of, of, you know, the infections. So, you know, we said, let's just go to France because if, if anything happens, we can still go back to the U S and yeah. and go from there. And, and, you know, so once we landed in France, we had this this eminent idea that we're going to buy a house
1: yeah we're, a fixer house we we're going that was what we were going to do that's it
2: right and and we said you know let's let's go ahead and get you know four or five on 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 the docket before we left japan we we made uh calls with real estate brokers and and we had you know a whole bunch that we had planned to look at and then all of a sudden there was a, a listing for a sailboat that showed up on Jessica's facebook feed and you know it piqued our interest because it was Every, a
1: really good deal. It was a great deal.
2: <laughs> and so we, we thought to ourselves, it must be too good to be true. But let's just go ahead and sort of do a little digging on this one. And, you know, for some reason, I don't know what call it, call it just life meant to be. But it turned out to be everything we wanted it to be at the price that we had up prayed for
1: yeah Um, and and in a country which we're quite comfortable kind of being hunkered down here for six months to a year whatever it takes and when we were leaving japan our daughter said you know what we're not the type of family that can just sit in a rental apartment in france for six months a year a year and a half to wait to do our life um, that's not going to work for us, and it's definitely not going to help our mental state. We need a project, and that's kind of how the house came out. Will and I, in our younger years, had done some home remodeling and 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 selling and and all that kind of stuff. And we thought, you know what? Let's teach the kids how to do this, and so that was the plan. That was going to be our project through COVID. And you know, the boat, the boat was like Will said, always the end game, but it was not. It wasn't something we were ready for right now. But when it came across our radar, we said, well why not learn to sail during covid i mean that's not the worst thing in the world right i mean if 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 a lockdown happens and we know how to sail we can sail out for the day and come back into the marina and we're learning a new skill at the same time as you know we're kind of a bit you know um i don't know on a pause from from traveling
2: it's just and a so, more expensive rv with with colossal <laughs> boat repair costs <laughs> I, I've heard. Will,
1: Will, honey, please don't hold back, honey. Please don't <laughs> hold back. Will is will always be a recovering accountant. So it's always coming down to the numbers and the budget. And he can get a little cranky at times. But so so that's kind of how the boat came to be. Like it was always part of the end game. Um, I think I, I, I don't want to say it would have never happened. But in our current situation, if COVID hadn't happened, I wonder if we would have kept kicking the can because it is a huge risk. Um, It is a big expense. And I, I, I was really never 100% on board because it scared me, the, the learning curve and the financial part of it and everything. So um, someone, you know, in the travel gods kind of put it in front of my face on the Facebook feed and I actually told Will about it instead of just breezing by it. And here we are now on a sailboat in the south of France um, learning to sail starting on Sunday. So crazy wow. things happen, right? You know, you got to crazy seize the things, moment, yeah. right? And just
0: keep going for it. Gosh, where where can people find out more? Where can they learn from you? You know, in the meantime, as as folks are itching to get get ready to do something or planning to do something, maybe it's maybe they're not saying I need to leave now. But you know what? My family and I, we want to start doing something different. Maybe it is what you're doing. Maybe we're going to start budgeting for it or saving for it or getting our house ready to sell or something. How can folks find out more about you and get in touch
2: yeah, So we, we share all of our, we put a lot of effort into um, our YouTube channel. And so with that, you know, right now we're, we're, we're getting into high gear of sort of the sailing. And, and for the most, if, if you want to sort of put a timeline as to our, our posting schedule to YouTube, we've always been usually about a month or two behind uh, just because we're always constantly on the move. But now on the boat, we, we're kind of current. We're, we're kind of current. So this is this is the first for us. We're pretty excited. about So we that.
1: we share kind of the good and bad and the ugly um, of full time travel. And we really try to be as open and honest as possible. So people can get a really clear understanding what what this lifestyle is all about. And we you can find us we're world towning on all social media as well as on YouTube. Um, and, it, you know, we basically our philosophy is, you know, creating um uh, living the world and creating mini hometowns hence the world towning wherever we go connecting to the culture and being good people and you know all that kind of stuff so we do our best to share it um on the vlogs and um, then
2: our ultra current stuff is stuff that we share on instagram
0: so right the stories right. the
1: so day-to-day part. stuff like if you want to see me out hosing down the deck and being really kind of cranky this morning because the wind blew all kinds of dirtiness all over the deck i just cleaned you know that's the kind of stuff we put on instagram like, I'm not always cranky, but today I was. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, those of you who are listening, yeah, reach out to us. I mean, start planning now. I mean, it took Will and I seven years to get to this point. So even if you're saying 10 years down the line, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't start kind of thinking about it, talking about it as a family. Um, you know, I'll kind of end with this, and it, it just kind of came into my, my mind, is that our kids, you know, if you have kids and you're not like, I don't know if they're going to be on board or whatnot, our kids only heard us talking about, we're going to go travel, we're going to go live in other countries, basically, since our son was born, and we didn't go until he was almost seven. So people are like, well, how how did you convince them to go? We're like, well, that's all we talked about. That's They thought that was just a normal way of life and that everyone did it. You know, so I think it's really important to kind of get the kids, even if they're a little involved and inspired and get them excited and help them do research and maybe cook meals from different countries you want to explore, you know, you know, the year up until when you're going to go so that everyone kind of is on board and you're having this experience together. I think one of the things that Will and I really failed in when we were in the planning process is finding joy in the journey. And to this day, I still wear a necklace that my mom got me because she could see the whole process of planning to get to where we are to when we were launching was hard and she could see us not enjoying it. And and a lot of the joy is in the journey. It's not in the end game. So find joy in the journey.
0: (laughs) Those sayings, those things we hear all the time, they, they work. We just got to put them into practice, got to actually do them. So, um, well thank y'all for being an an example of of going after it, making it happen. You know, you, you might not feel like leaders or, inspiration at times, but you know, you've been out there six years. That's, that's your, that's six years. A lot of us haven't done anything or, or haven't done what we've been talking about for so long. So congratulations on recently hitting that milestone and on your next adventure, we're going to be following you and, and we'll keep you updated on when, uh, when this episode comes out. And if we can have you back on again, at some point, maybe after you get proficient at selling, we'll, we'll, we'll come and talk about that.
1: That might be really fun, actually, and maybe we'll sound a little more confident at that point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I have no doubt that y'all can achieve anything you want to. I mean, you've already proved it. So
1: thank Um. you so much for having us. It really, really was amazing that you had us. You had some great questions. And I love that you're encouraging people for more adventure in their life in all kinds of different capacities. I think that's really, really, really important. And as we kind of age, sometimes we forget that and we just have to keep we have to keep having those adventures.
0: We're a hundred percent, everything from being, you know, camp in your backyard this weekend to set a budget to, to, to move your family across the world. Like it's all, it's all from the same cloth. So, so good out there and do it. All right, y'all. Well, thank you. Have a great night and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all,